I'm going to do something a little different on Mother's Day. Um, I'm going to do a message not about mothers, but about fathers and children. It's an Old Testament guide, strictly Old Testament, with one exception, strictly Old Testament guide to helping mothers. So men, pay attention. But on the other hand, if your mother is still alive, then it also applies to you because you're children. So even the females among us whose mothers are still alive, it applies to you. Uh, and so that's what we're going to be talking about today is an Old Testament guide to helping mothers. I, I'm calling it a non-Mother's Day, Mother's Day, or non-Mother's Mother's Day message. Um, so <clears throat> we're going to begin, uh, and it's going to be pretty much boom, 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 and you're going to see why. I'm not going to go into a lot of detail. Uh, most of it doesn't require a lot of explanation, and the parts that do, we will spend some time on. But let me just start by saying, biblically, unless other than adoption, the way to become a mother is to become a wife. And let me just say, um, there's a verse in Proverbs 31, Proverbs 31.10, many of you are familiar with it, uh, where there's a rhetorical question, an excellent wife who can find. And 40 years ago, this coming August 28th, I was able to answer that question uh, because that's when I found my excellent wife. And we have our 40th anniversary coming up here in August. And she's not here to hear, to hear me say that because she's ill today. Oh, well. So <laughs> let's, uh, we're going to march through much of the Old Testament. We're, we're going to cover everything the Old Testament says to fathers and children to support their mothers, assuming that I got everything. We're going to get whatever I could find. So, start with me in Genesis. And this is going to be boom, 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 as I said. But don't worry, uh, child children, I have PowerPoint. So, all right. We're going to begin to the children, okay? We're going to begin to the children, to all of us who are children of mothers. And we're going to start, uh, whenever I ask the college students, do you want the good news or the bad news first? They always want the bad news. So I'm going to assume that's true of you as well. So we're going to start with the don'ts. We're going to do do's and don'ts for children and for husbands in dealing with their mothers. All right? Simple. So we're going to start with the don'ts for children. And the first one's really, really obvious. That's why we're starting here. It's the most obvious thing I'm going to say today. Look at Genesis chapter 4 and verse 8. Genesis chapter 4 and verse 8. Talking about the first mother here. Verse 8, And Cain told Abel his brother, and it came about when they were in the field, that Cain rose up against Abel his brother and killed him. Children of mothers, don't kill her children. <laughs> Simple enough? Require a lot of explanation? I don't think so. So let's move on. Don't kill your mother's children. That's one thing you can do to help your mother and to bless her. Now turn to Genesis chapter 26. 
Genesis chapter 26. Where we have this interesting pair of verses, verses 34 and 35. When Esau was 40 years old, he married Judith, the daughter of Beeri the Hittite, and Basemath, the daughter of Elon the Hittite, and they brought grief to Isaac and Rebekah. If you go one chapter over in chapter 27 to the last verse, verse 46, and Rebekah said to Isaac, I am tired of living because of the daughters of Heth. If Jacob takes a wife from the daughters of Heth like these, from the daughters of the land, what good will my life be to me? Lesson number two, don't grieve your mother in matters of the Lord. This is a matter of the Lord. Esau married outside the women of Israel. He married Hittites. Okay? This is a spiritual issue, and that's why Rebekah is grieved and bothered and says, what good is my life uh, if Jacob does the same thing? Don't grieve your mother in matters of the Lord. Notice what, what um, Rebekah calls them in verse 46 of chapter 27, from the daughters of the land. The daughters of the land. That's as opposed to the daughters of the Lord. All right. Third, jump all the way to Proverbs. And by the way, when I said I'm going to do everything the Old Testament says, don't despair because, believe it or not, the Old Testament doesn't say that much about mothers. (laughs) So we're jumping to Proverbs. Chapter 1 and verse 8. And we get instruction concerning how we as children relate to our mothers. Hear, my son, your father's instruction, and do not forsake your mother's teaching. Children of mothers, do not forsake your mother's teaching. And this is important enough that it's repeated in chapter 6. In chapter 6, verse 20, My son, observe the commandment of your father. Do not forsake the teaching of your mother. If you had a godly mother, don't forsake what she taught you. And that, by the way, will help you to not do number two, to help you not grieve her in matters of the Lord. Treasure, treasure what your mother taught you in matters of the Lord. I do. All right, go to Proverbs chapter 10. I told you it was going to be fast. Proverbs chapter 10, verse 1. The Proverbs of Solomon. A wise son makes his father glad, but a foolish son is a grief to his mother. This one is important enough that it's repeated in chapter 15 and verse 20, but it makes it a little harsher. A wise son makes a father glad. Oops. A wise son makes a father glad, but a foolish man despises his mother. Now, I have to confess to you, there were a number of years in which I was a problem on number four for my mother. But you know what? She didn't throw me out. She didn't send me back. She stuck with it. And I'm less foolish. 
I won't say I'm not foolish, but I'm less foolish than before. So, children of mothers, don't cause your mother grief. Don't despise her by being foolish. Learn her lessons, follow her teaching, and don't cause her grief. And then Proverbs 15, verse 20. I just read that one. Um, Proverbs 30, verse 17. Sorry. Proverbs 30, verse 17. The eye that mocks a father and scorns a mother, the ravens of the valley will pick it out and the young eagles will eat it. Do not disrespect your mother. Do not scorn your mother. And if you, if you have a New American Standard as opposed to the Legacy Standard, if you have a New American Standard, I don't know what they do, I didn't look it up, sorry. Um, in the margin, you'll see that it says, despises to obey for scorns. Don't despise your mother by not obeying her. Don't disrespect your mother. So these are the don'ts that apply to all of us because we're all children of mothers. So let's move to the happier side. Let's look at the do's. And for that, we've got to go back now to Exodus. Go back to Exodus chapter 20. Exodus chapter 20 and verse 12. Honor your father and your mother, that your days may be prolonged in the land which the Lord your God gives you. Honor your mother. Now, there's two aspects of this. There's the attitude of honor. That is to reverence her, show her respect which we've already bumped into in terms of the negative, right? To not disrespect her. And then there's the active side. How do you show her respect? We saw that in one of the other verses as well, and that is by being obedient, not despising her by disobeying, okay? Which is the problem I had when I was younger. Uh, show respect and praise her. These are ways to honor your mother. Proper attitude is one of reverence and respect. Proper actions are obeying her, showing her respect, and praising her. Uh, this is repeated in Deuteronomy 5.16 and Deuteronomy 27.16. To honor your mother. Then jump to Psalms. Psalms 86. I'm sorry. Too many times when I teach, we have a sword drill. <laughs> Psalm 86. And verse 16. Turn to me and be gracious to me. Grant thy strength to thy servant and save the son of thy handmaid. Um, if you hold a finger there and go to 116, Psalm 116, 16, 
It says, O Lord, surely I am thy servant. I am thy servant, the son of thy handmaid. Thou hast loosed my bonds. Now, the lesson here is, follow your mother's example in serving God. Notice how he identifies his mother. She is your handmaid. The word here is for servant or slave. She is the Lord's servant. And so he both, in both cases, the psalmist is saying, I am your servant, make me your servant as my mother is your servant. Follow her example in serving God. Proverbs, again, go to Proverbs chapter 23. Proverbs 23, verses 15 and 16. My son, if your heart is wise, my own heart also will be glad, and my inmost being will rejoice when your lips speak what is right. Give your mother joy by being wise and speaking what is right. Give your mother joy by being wise and speaking what is right. Verse 25 again says, same same chapter, let your father and your mother be glad and let her rejoice who gave birth to you. Give her joy by being wise and speaking what is right. And again, to, uh, by being wise is the opposite of what we talked about earlier in the don'ts, right? Don't be foolish. Be wise and speak what is right. Then for our next one, we look at Proverbs 23, verse 22. Listen to your father who begot you, and do not despise your mother when she is old. Take care of her. This is also, by the way, part of honoring, taking care of parents in, the old age, in their old age, like me. Uh, taking care of your parents in their old age. Do not despise her. Take care of her when she is old. Proverbs 29. Proverbs 29, verse 17. Correct your son, and he will give you comfort. He will also delight your soul, or give delight to your soul. Give your mother delight. Give your mother delight. And here it is, uh, by taking discipline and learning from it. When your mother disciplines you, and for most of you, your mother's done disciplining you, so let it really sink in, and therefore give her delight. And then Proverbs 30, verse 11 There is a kind of man who curses his father and does not bless his mother. And Proverbs 31, verse 28, a very well-known verse, speaking of the excellent wife, verse 28 says in Proverbs 31, her children rise up and bless her, 
Her children rise up and bless her. So Proverbs 30.11 and Proverbs 31.28, praise your mother, bless your mother. Those of you who still have your mother walking around, praise her today, and not just today, but make it a pattern to praise your mother while you have her, to praise. Praise her and bless her. So these are do's and don'ts for children of mothers. We're going to turn to husbands and fathers. And uh, Chris has just violated the first don't, which I've also violated, and so has Abner. Uh, the first don't is don't subject your wives or mothers to the rigors of PhD pursuit. <laughs> That's in Hezekiah 3.4. Um, but let's turn to husbands of mothers. This is where the rubber meets the road. This is the guys, okay? What are we to do and not do? So let's begin with the don'ts and go back to Genesis. Go back to Genesis. Some of these are going to require a little bit of explanation. Genesis chapter 3. Now, I'm going to make some points from concerning Adam and Eve before Eve is a mother. And so before you say you're cheating, let me point out that uh, verse 20 of chapter 3, Genesis chapter 3, verse 20, this is before the fall and before Eve had children. Now the man called his wife's name Eve because she was the mother of all living. So Adam knows she's going to be a mother She's going to be the mother of all, and so she's obviously a fair game even before she has children. So that takes us down to verse 12 of chapter 3. Let's start with verse 11. And God said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? And the man said, The woman whom thou gavest to me, she gave me from the tree, and I ate. Don't follow your mother, your wife, in this case, into sin. Don't follow her into sin. And then when you do it, don't blame her. And fundamentally, really, people, let's get down to brass tacks, he's not really blaming Eve. He's really blaming God. It's the woman that you gave me. It's your fault, God. But aside from that, he's also blaming Eve. Anybody but himself. Typical guy, right? Don't be a typical guy. Don't follow your wife into sin. Then go to verse 17. Then to Adam he said, Because you have listened to the voice of your wife... And have eaten from the tree about which I commanded you, saying you shall not eat from it. Cursed is the ground because of you. In toil you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Now the issue here, guys, don't disregard your headship. Don't disregard the fact that you are the head. 
of the family. And follow, if your wife happens to, at some point in your entire marriage, your wife happens to make one foolish suggestion, one suggestion that's not right, then stand up as the head of the family. Don't disregard your headship. Don't listen to the voice of your wife over the voice of your God. Chapter 12 of Genesis. Genesis chapter 12, verses 11 to 13. And it came about when he came, this is um, Abraham, by the way. Actually, at this point, he's Abram, but whatever. Uh, Verse 11, it came about when he came near to Egypt that he said to Sarah, his wife, see now, I know that you are a beautiful woman. So far, he's in good shape. (laughs) Right? Gosh, you're so beautiful. It's the other two verses that cause trouble. It'll come about when the Egyptians see you that they will say, this is his wife, and they will kill me, but they will let you live. Please say that you are my sister, so that it may go well with me because of you, and that I may live on account of you. Don't put your wife in compromising positions. Don't put your wife in a position of compromise, in a position leading to sin. And if you want... Look at Genesis 20, verse 2, where we have a repeat. Genesis 20, verse 2. Here's another situation. And Abraham said of Sarah's wife, she is my sister. So Abimelech, king of Gerar, sent and took Sarah. Clearly, Abraham hadn't learned his lesson. But we have two examples, so we can learn the lesson. Don't put your wife in a compromising position. Don't put the mother of your children in a compromising position. Go back to Genesis 16. Genesis 16. Now, it's, we first need to note that In Genesis 12, God promises Abram that he will have a son and that his descendants will be, as you know, like the sand of the sea, etc. And after that, we're in chapter 16, verse 2, starting in verse 1. Now Sarah, Abram's wife, had borne him no children. And she had an Egyptian maid whose name was Hagar. So Sarah said to Abram, Now behold, the Lord has prevented me from bearing children. Please go into my maid. Perhaps I shall obtain children through her. And Abram listened to the voice of Sarah. Don't yield your leadership position by listening to your wife instead of God. Abram shows here two things, one of two things or both. First of all, Sarah doesn't believe God. He no doubt has told her about the promise that God made, and she doesn't believe it fundamentally. Of course, she laughs when she hears about it. Um, 
But that's, that's the first issue. But I'm trying to figure out, I was, I've been trying to figure out for a week and a half how to say this. I'm guessing that this was a prospect that was appealing to Abram because he's a man. Um, hey, take my maid. I don't know. I'm just guessing. And so, in addition, he's yielding his leadership position because of his own sinful heart. His own sinful heart. Don't yield leadership. And then again, verse 5. And Sarah said to Abram, may the wrong done me after, after he does, and she's upset about it. May the wrong done me be upon you. I gave my maid into your arms, but when she saw that she had conceived, I was despised in her sight. May the Lord judge between you and me. Abram said, Behold, your maid is in your power. Do to her what's good in your sight. Don't yield your leadership position. You're in charge. Don't slough off responsibility for what you did, guys. Me too. Chapter 30, verses 1 to 7, our other example. Now when Rachel saw that she bore Jacob no children, she became jealous of her sister, and she said to Jacob, Give me children or else I die. Then Jacob's anger burned against Rachel, and he said, Am I in the place of God, who has withheld from you the fruit of the womb? And she said, Here is my maid Bilhah, go into her, that she may bear on my knees, that through her I too may have children. So she gave him her maid Bilhah as a wife, and Jacob went into her, and she conceived and bore a son. Now, we have to note, of course, that culturally this was an acceptable thing. So that's not really the issue, though. The issue is God's promise and whether you trust God's promise as the head of the family. Or do you give in to some other clever scheme that someone, in this case, your wife, suggests that happens to also match up with perhaps your innate lust as a man? See, I told you I couldn't figure out how to say that. All right. So don't yield leadership by listening to your wife, mother, instead of God. Chapter 20 of Genesis. Chapter 20, back to this example we talked about before. Don't lead her into sin. Don't follow her into sin, and don't lead her into sin. Chapter 20, verse 2, Abram said of his wife, Sarah, she is my sister. So Abimelech, king of Gerar, sent and took Sarah. But God interceded. He came to Abimelech in a dream and said to him, Behold, you're a dead man because of the woman you've taken, for she is married. Abimelech had not come near her, and he said, Lord, will thou slay a nation, even though blameless? Did he himself not say to me, She is my sister? In the integrity of my heart, in the innocence of my hands, I have done this. He led her into a sinful situation. Don't do that. Genesis 25. 
and verse 28. Now Isaac loved Esau because he had a taste for game. But Rebekah loved Jacob. Don't pick or allow favorite children. Don't play favorites. Actually, mothers, I'm speaking to you here too, I guess. Don't play favorites among your children. Fathers, as the head of the family, don't allow favorites among the children. What was the result of this one, by the way? I'm just going to spend a minute or two on this. What was the result of this? The result was Esau and the Edomites. Esau's descendants were known as the Edomites. Uh, The reason for that is, remember, he sold his birthright for some red stew, and so anything that was red, he... Any things that are red, he'll eat them. No, that's not it. Um, eat them actually means red stuff. But, so it does come from that situation, but a little bit differently. So the Edomites, who are the Edomites? They refused, first of all, they refused Israel passage during their trip to the, the promised land. During the Exodus trip to the promised land, they wouldn't let Israel pass through their land. Why? Because there's hard feelings going back to here, okay? And then later, most of the book of Obadiah, which is coming up on the slate before too long in Sojourners, most of the book of Obadiah is God's judgment against Edom for their crimes against Israel. It's the brother-brother thing many moons later. And God says in verse 10 of Obadiah, their violence was not against strangers, but against brothers. And he says in verse 11, they stood by and watched Israel be attacked and plundered. In verse 12, he says, they celebrated the fall of Jerusalem. In verse 13, he says, they participated in looting Jerusalem. And in verse 14, he says, they intercepted fleeing survivors of Israel and either enslaved or killed them. It's okay if we pick favorites. It's okay if we encourage division between brothers. No, it's not. It has long-term consequences. First Samuel. Oh good, we're making progress. We're out of Genesis. 1 Samuel, chapter 1. Here we have uh, one of the uh, great mothers of Scripture, right? Hannah. Some of you are probably named Hannah, uh, probably after this great mother in Scripture. Um, Look at verses 6 and 7 of 1 Samuel 1. Actually, we'll start in verse 5. Start with verse 4. And when the day came that Elkanah sacrificed, he would give portions to Penina, I don't know how it's pronounced, his wife and to all her sons and her daughters. But to Hannah he would give a double portion, for he loved Hannah. But the Lord had closed her womb. 
verses 6 and 7. Her rival, however, would provoke her bitterly to irritate her because the Lord had closed her womb. And it happened year after year, as often she went up to the house of the Lord, she would provoke her. So she wept and would not eat. Wait a minute, that's like another woman doing it. How come you're like saying this to husbands and fathers? Don't allow your wife to be berated. Clearly, Elkanah allowed this. And it wasn't a one-time thing. Husbands, don't allow your wife to be berated. And then verse 8 gives us another one. Then Elkanah, her husband, said to her, Hannah, why do you weep? And why do you not eat? And why is your heart sad? Am I not better to you than ten sons? (laughs) I can just picture him saying it, right? Am I not better to you than ten sons? (laughs) Don't discount a wife's desire for children. If we go back to Genesis 30, verse 1, remember what Rachel had said. Give me children or I die. Now, not every woman wants to have children, and that's fine. But those who do want to have children, as husbands, we should not discount that desire. We, should, we can't fully understand it, but we need to get on board with our wives and their desire. And no, for those women, you're not enough. Now, if the Lord doesn't give them children, you'll end up being enough, and the, and the Lord will help her to deal with that. But women have, many of them, have a strong desire for children, and guys, we need to get on board with that. We need to understand that. It's part of living with a wife in a loving way, in an understanding way, as the New Testament talks about. Don't think that you can replace her desire for children. It's just not the same thing. And when your children move to Texas and Kansas, (laughs) you can't completely fill in that gap. So tell them you can go there whenever you want. (laughs) I'll come up with the money. (laughs) Proverbs 29. Last don't for men, for husbands, fathers. Proverbs 29, verse 15. Proverbs 29, 15. And this could have been to the children too, but I think it belongs here. The rod and reproof give wisdom, but a child who gets his own way Bring shame to his mother. Don't allow your children to reflect poorly on your wife. In other words, discipline your kids. Don't allow them to bring shame upon their mother. 
All right, let's get happier. Let's go back to Genesis for the do's, for the husbands. Genesis 15. Genesis 15, verse 2. And Abram said, O Lord God, what wilt thou give me, since I am childless? And the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. Jump to verse 5. And he took him outside and said, Now look toward the heavens and count the stars, if you're able to count them. And he said to them, So shall your descendants be. Then he believed in the Lord, and he reckoned it to him as righteousness. Trust God in family matters. Trust God in family matters. Abraham had a promise from God that he was going to have a son, and he trusted in God with that promise. Then go to chapter 18. And verse 10. The Lord is actually speaking to Abram here and says in verse 9, Where is Sarah, your wife? And he said, You should behold in the tent. And he said, I will surely return to you at this time next year. And behold, Sarah, your wife, shall have a son. Go to verse 14. The Lord said to Abram, after Sarah laughs, she overheard it, Is anything too difficult for the Lord? At the appointed time, I will return to you at this time next year, and Sarah shall have a son. Go now to chapter 21, verses 1 and 2. Then the Lord took note of Sarah as he had said, and the Lord did for Sarah as he had promised. So Sarah conceived and bore a son to Abraham in his old age at the appointed time of which God had spoken to him. Men, we need to be an example of trusting God. God said, at the appointed time, this will happen. Abram trusted God, and at the appointed time, it happened. We need to be an example to our wives of trusting God. Sarah didn't, but Abram did. And at the appointed time, as was promised, God fulfilled their desire. Go a little farther into Genesis 21. And verse 10, Sarah says to Abram concerning Hagar, remember she arranged for Abram to impregnate Hagar, and she had a child. In verse 10, she says, Therefore she said to Abram, Drive out this maid and her son, for the son of this maid shall not be an heir with my son Isaac. And the matter distressed Abraham greatly, 
because of his son. But God, we talked about that before, but God said to Abraham, do not be distressed because of the lad and your maid. Whatever Sarah tells you, listen to her. For through Isaac, your descendants shall be named. And the son of the maid, I will make a nation also because he is your descendant. And so Abraham does. Now, wait a minute. I thought we weren't supposed to listen to our wives. No, that's not what I said earlier. It's not what God says either. Don't listen to your wife instead of God. Don't listen to your wife in, in place of God. Don't listen to your wife when she's steering you down the wrong road. But what's the difference here? Seek God regarding demands that come from your wife. Abraham seeks God when his wife says, send Hagar out, and God responds and tells him, in this instance, do what she says. I have a big plan for this. Okay? Seek God regarding demands, requests, etc., from your wife that you are concerned about. You know, not what you know, color carpeting to get or something, but things that matter, things that might distress you because you're worried whether it's the right thing to do, then go to the Word, go to prayer, and seek God in those instances. Deuteronomy chapter 4. Deuteronomy chapter 4 and verse 9. Give heed to yourself and keep your soul diligently, lest you forget the things which your eyes have seen, and lest they depart from your heart all the days of your life. But make them known to your sons and your grandsons. Teach your children, husbands, fathers, husbands of mothers, teach your children. That doesn't mean you have to homeschool them. He's not talking about geometry. But teach your, th your children the things of the Lord. Teach your children the things of the Lord. This is back to headship, guys, being the head of the family. Teach, teach the mother's children. Teach your wife's children. Ruth. Ruth, chapter 3. Ruth chapter 3, starting at verse 11. Looking at verses 11 to 13. All right, now I'm cheating here. Because Boaz and Ruth are not married at this point. However, there's a method to my madness. Let's look at Ruth chapter 3, starting at verse 11. Boaz says to Ruth, Now, my daughter, do not fear. I will do for you whatever you ask, for all my people in the city know that you are a woman of excellence. And now it is true. I am a close relative. However, there is a relative closer than I. Remain this night, and when the morning comes, if he will redeem you, good, if, let him redeem you. But if he does not wish to redeem you, then I will redeem you, as the Lord lives." 
Now, first of all, notice he calls her a woman of excellence. He's obviously read Proverbs 31.10. He recognizes a woman of excellence. Then go over to chapter 4, and verses 3 through 10 is the process in which he carries out what he just said. Look, he says, look, you're a woman of excellence. I want you as my wife but I'm not going to violate the law. I'm going to follow what God has set up in terms of a redeemer. And there's somebody in the way. We're going to go through the process. If he doesn't step up, then I will. I want to marry you. And that process is in chapter 4, verses 3 to 10. Just look at verse 10. Actually, starting verse 9. Then Boaz said to the elders and all the people, You are witnesses today that I have bought from the hand of Naomi all that belonged to Elimelech and all that belonged to Chilion and Melon. Moreover, I have acquired Ruth the Moabitess, the widow of Melon, to be my wife. All right. What's, what's, what, are we, what am I talking about here? Make it obvious that you value her. Make it obvious to your wife, the mother of your children, that you value her. Boaz is going through a whole major process here, but he's telling her up front, I want you, but we have to go through this. I'm going to go through this and all this hassle and so forth. And then at the end, he proudly announces that he has taken Ruth the Moabitess as his wife, which, of course, could be controversial. He doesn't care. He loves Ruth. He is showing that he loves her and he values her. And he went through this process because he loved her and he valued her. First Samuel, chapter 1. Back to the Hannah story. First Samuel, chapter 1. Verse 20. And it came about in due time after Hannah had conceived that she gave birth to a son, and she named him Samuel, saying, Because I have asked him of the Lord. Then the man Elkanah went up with all his household to offer to the Lord the yearly sacrifice and pay his vow. Because But Hannah did not go up, for she said to her husband, I will not go up until the child is weaned, then I will bring him that he may appear before the Lord and stay there forever. Verse 23, And Elkanah, her husband, said to her, Wait a minute, this is a special child that we prayed for and and desired strongly, and now you're just going to give him away? What's up with you? That's not the legacy standard translation. (laughs) Verse 23, And Elkanah said, her husband said to her, Do what seems best to you. Remain until you have weaned him. Only may the Lord confirm his word. So the woman remained and nursed her son until she weaned him. Now this is different than Abraham saying to Sarah, Do what looks best to you. Or Jacob saying, Do what seems best to you. Because he's asking that the Lord's word be confirmed, 
which it already has been, if you look at the John MacArthur Study Bible, under this verse, it says what I want you to get out of it. Did I put it on here? No, I didn't. So I'll just tell you. Here's what it says. Elkanah supported and joined with his wife in her vow to the Lord. They were in on this together. Notice it says, um, he, where is it? Verse 21, he went up to offer to the Lord the yearly sacrifice and pay his vow. He had vowed to the Lord along with his wife. What was going to happen was Samuel. And the Lord confirmed it by giving them Samuel. So he supported and joined with his wife. Support your wife's godly desires. Support your wife's godly desires. 1 Kings chapter 1. Abner took us to 1 Kings chapter 1 for a Mother's Day lesson, but I'm giving you a different one because Abner was focused on the mother, and I'm focused on the father. 1 Kings chapter 1, verse 30. Surely as I vowed to you by the Lord, the God of Israel, saying, Your son Solomon shall be king after me, and he shall sit on my throne in my place, I will indeed do so this day. Now, it's a long story, but uh, another son is trying to sneak in and grab the throne instead of Solomon. So Bathsheba, who is the mother of Solomon, comes to David and says, Hey, wait a minute, you promised that Solomon would sit on the throne. And David says, Okay, I have learned lesson number seven. Keep your promises to the wife who is the mother of your children. Keep your promises to her. Proverbs 23. Proverbs 23. Verses 13 and 14. Do not hold back discipline from the child. Although you beat him with the rod, he will not die. You shall beat him with the rod and deliver his soul from Sheol. Discipline your wife's children. Discipline her children. We talked about it in reverse the other way, right? Don't neglect discipline so that she is grieved and so that she is disrespected. But here's the positive side of it. Discipline her children. Chapter 29 Verse 15, the rod and reproof give wisdom, but a child who gets his own way brings shame to his mother. We saw that before. Discipline her children so that she will not be shamed. Now, there's other reasons to discipline the children too, for their benefit, but also for your wife's benefit as their mother. Discipline her children. 
Okay, we made it there, ladies. Proverbs 31. Proverbs 31. I already mentioned 10, but it's worth repeating. An excellent wife, who can find? Her worth is far above jewels. But for now, I want to look at verse 11. The heart of her husband trusts in her. Trust in your wife, the mother of your children. Trust in her and make sure she knows that you trust in her. And one way to do that is verses 28 and 29. Her children rise up and bless her, her husband also. Right? This was a lesson for the children. Rise up and bless your mother, but husbands, her children rise up and bless her, her husband also. And he praises her, saying, many daughters have done nobly, but you excel them all. And nobly here in the Legacy Standard Bible is excellently. It's the same word in Hebrew as verse 10, an excellent wife. So when the husband in in verse 29 praises her, saying, many daughters have done excellently, he is telling everybody she is the excellent wife in verse 10 and that she excels them all. It's the application of 31.10. It's what I did at the start of the message. Praise my wife as an excellent wife. We should all be doing that, men. All right, for those of you who are keeping track, which none of you were, That's a total of 30 lessons. In honor of Proverbs 31, we're going to have a 31st, and for that we're going to the New Testament. One more lesson from the New Testament. Look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. Paul, speaking to the church of the Thessalonians in chapter 2, says this in verse 7. But we, in our coming to you and preaching to you, prove to be gentle among you as a nursing mother tenderly cares for her own children. Men, learn gentleness and tenderness from your wife who is the mother of your children. Learn gentleness and and tenderness from her. So there they are, 31 lessons. I only have about 31 to work on. But I know what they are, and so do you. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word once again. We thank you that Uh, You didn't leave us wandering, wondering what to do uh, in various aspects of life. 
And Father, as we think about motherhood, we think about fatherhood, we think about being children, we thank you that you gave us either narrative examples of what to do and what not to do, or direct instructions of what to do and not to do, and we ask that you would help us to learn from our study of your word uh, how it would apply to us, and we give you the praise. Amen.